are about to enter the outer boundaries of reality. Welcome to Divine Imagination. I'm your host, Akiva David. We'll be playing music and sharing stories that will push the boundaries of the ordinary into the extraordinary. Thank you for coming to tonight's Seder. We've just done the matzah. About to go to the maror and have a korach. Before we do that, we're going to just tell you something outside of the Seder. As you know, um, this is a very important Seder. It's the 21st of Nisan, 5783, commemorating the crossing of the Yomsov, the Red Sea, when we are going through liberation. We're using the Haggadah of Rabbi Yitzhak Isaac Hever, Yad Mitzrayim. Yad Mitzrayim, for those of you who don't know, is a title of the hand of Egypt, how it kept us down, how it kept the Bnei Israel under the oppression of Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim being the other side of Hashem, or the Sitar Acha, as it's known. Um, Thank you for coming. I know this is a mixed group. Some of you are more kosher than others. Some of you, this is your first Seder. This is a very mystical Seder, as you can tell. We have two Seder plates that will be moving between worlds as we are moving between enslavement to liberation from whatever keeps us in darkness to light, whatever keeps us from Hashem to unification with Hashem. This is a very deep night. This is a very deep night. Um, because as we look into creation, we are trying to capture the essence of life, Mayam. And we know from the sages, well, we know in Bereshit, um, Genesis, for the non-Jews on the table, um, Bereshit's very deep, very, very deep at many levels. It's not only seven days of creation, but everything you question about life and the mysteries of God are contained in the first chapter of the Torah. So, what I like to point out is that Mayam, water, something that is never discussed. And there was a teaching of Shlomo Kalbach that I found very interesting. Uh, Shlomo Kalbach of blessed memory, may his soul receive an uh, Aliyah, his Neshama receive an Aliyah and Hashemayim. That he mentioned in one of his secret teachings that Mayam is something that Hashem did not create. And there are many sources for that, Midrashic sources, Talmudic sources, where Mayim came from, how it was used in creation, what it represented. But as we search for Mayim, Mayim, not only the watery drink and sustain us that flows through our veins and our bodies, but the Mayim that contains Kadusha, spirituality, something that is very important. Um, I want to bring to mind the Kavinot of the night. Please pass the matzah, have as much as you like. Um, these are Shemora Matzah, for those of you who are not familiar, one should always have Shemora Matzah on a Seder, not the stuff you get in boxes. Every bite should remind us of what we are really living for. It's not the Lechem, 
the matzot. We don't live on bread. We live on kedusha. And the question is, we must have a kavino, the intention to see beyond the material, the hevel, which is what Mitzrayim was about, the material, the body being preserved, the need to take spiritual possessions in the afterlife, all those things that take us away from God and put a blockage between our divine selves and our earthly selves. where We elevate creation above creator. That is the problem with Mitzrayim, Egypt. As we even look back to Egypt to this day, has an inversion of the divine or a perversion of the divine, depending on what you're holding. We will go into sides about Egyptian magic and all the other stuff that I've written about separately and discussed in private classes. But let's talk about what this night's about as we cross the Red Sea into freedom. And what are we freeing ourselves from? We are freeing ourselves from oppression of the soul, the divine nature of the soul. And... I was able to translate some of the pages of uh, Yad Mitzrayim, the Haggadah we're using, and distill its essence that I'd like us to focus on tonight. Excuse me. Rabbi Isaac Isaac Hever not a direct student of the Quran. There was an intermediary between the Vilna Goyen. Does anybody know who the Vilna Goyen is besides the Jews on the Zabel? Vilna Goyen, sage, 18th century, Litvish. Very, very important person in Judaism. One of the wisest men, Eliyahu ben Shlomo Zalman. We refer to him as Rabbi Eliyahu ben Shlomo Zalman, but whether or not he was actually a rabbi is debatable but he was considered one of the greatest of his time. Uh, but his Kabbalah is amazing, and it goes to some things we discussed from the Zohar, um, the Idraba, where unlike other, uh, was it Disnuta, Disnuta, Sorry, no, I've not had the four cups yet, but it seems like it, I know. Um, the Sifr Desnuta is a book, and I butchered that, uh, where the Gra, unlike other sages of his time, including the Ari, did not take a Magid. If you don't know what a Magid is, you don't need to know what it is, for purposes of those on the table who are too foreign to this concept. But he studied Torah on his own. He didn't have heavenly help. He did it with his own cognizance, volition, fortitude, and intellectual prowess. He got to depths of Torah study that were exceptional and made any other Kabbalah seem elementary in the sense of the systematic is so tight and so profound if it were translated into the world. I don't know if the world's ready for it and how it would displace other religions or notions of religions or other systematics that are beyond Judaism or beyond this notion of oneness with Hashem. So let us talk about the Gra Vilna, blessed memory, and may his soul, Rabbi Eliyahu Ben Shlomo Zalman, receive his neshama, receive a massive Eliyahu and Hashemayim as we celebrate the crossing through the Red Sea. 
So what he saw in the Haggadahs, Haggadot, uh, that was missing and what was brought down by Rabbi Yitzhak Isaac Hever goes something like this. On this night, on the nights of Pesach, there is a hall of scribes in heaven, Hashemayim, where all the sacred writers, the scribes of Hashem, the scribes of God, are gathered under the d- direction of the flaming angel, Mikael. A Mikael, flaming angel. Why do we refer to Mikael as a flaming angel? Uh, there are swords that are Barring us from entering, from entering Garneden, the Garden of Eden, the flaming sword that spins. And whether or not Mikael holds that sword is another thing, or Moshe had a sword, the Karav Moshe, or, but Mikael is the flaming angel for this purpose, where the scribes sit. And Mikael stands above and below Metet, Memtet. We don't mention that name. That's a different angel where the letters are spoken from the division between creator and creation. Or in Hoshek, just keep saying, uh, separated day from night, separated, you know, land, dry land from the seas, separation from creator and creation, and uh, knowledge, which is referred to in Kabbalistic terms as dot, wisdom, chokmah, and understanding Bina are all located in this area. And they're in the emanation that's created by the division between creator and creation. And Dot is something that is the Keta, Chokma, Bina, if you know what those three concepts are, Keta, Chokma, Bina, and how Dot moves amongst the Sephiroth, the three above to the seven below. But here the Gra says one into two, two into three, and three into infinity above before being compressed into seven in the worlds below. So what's happening on this night, because unlike any other night, Pesach is a time we come together to celebrate the miracle when Hashem, the, the hand that oppressed Egypt, was really God's hand. He gave them the hand to oppress us with. B'nai Israel, through crying out to Hashem, lifted Mitzrayim's hand and grabbed the hand of Hashem. So we're crossing the sea in our channels. Remember, there are channels. We just don't cross in one channel like you know the Ten Commandments. Each tribe had its own channel in the water and was crossing 12 channels. And what is going on as a preface to this Haggadah is that Three into infinity above. So Ketuhok Madbina, Dot somehow absorbs that infinite nature of the crown of Hashem, divided between Hokma and Bina, wisdom and understanding, and then brings that to the other seven Sephirot by bringing from the worlds above to the worlds below. Okay, so three into seven. We have questions, don't ask them because they're not meant to be answered tonight. Hashem himself will give the answers. You will listen. L'chaim. All the scribes sat beneath the all-seeing eye. Some of you may 
remember when one sees things above, there's this notion of the seeing eye, the all-seeing eye, whose sight extends beyond infinity and extends beyond infinite directions and distance. Measurements have no equivalence in this world, only the world's far removed from the compression of the three into seven. For when three into seven are combined, they should create ten, which is a doorway into different dimensions. But not many can combine and receive eight permutations of ten known divine emanations. Those eight, ten minus two, meaning ten sephirot minus two, the two that are not present uh, or seen the dot and the other one allow for the pagan gods to emerge when all ten are not present and there are only eight in the world like Mitzrayim eight as you know eight is a somewhat mystical number in oriental religions it was very important to uh, Mitzrayim Egypt because it was infinity on its side as if Egypt took infinity and moved it into a vertical from its horizontal position. By only having eight permutations of ten divine, known divine emanations, it permits the pagan gods to emerge, meaning the Yatsahara, the evil inclination of man, of humanity, is allowed to roam freely over the planes of ego of the soul. What a beautiful image, the planes of ego of the soul. In turn, man... Adam, humankind, not Ha-Adam, the Adam, Adam Rishon, seeks pleasure, power, and divorces, and divorce from its divine origins. So what he's speaking about here is this notion, he, he refers to the pagan god Baal. Baal captures those souls uh, and removes sight and reasons from them. And he uses, as if the Tower of Babel, he says, the Gras says, as if the Tower of Babel was done and to feed the mouth of Baal, for it is left to the wise soul, the four sons that ask the question, is left to the wise soul to climb from the mouth of Baal and seek reunification with its creator. So he's saying that in this instance, when we know from Bereshit we built the Tower of Babel, that was really a way that earth was trying to emanate and climb up to Hashemayim, to heaven, to unify. And of course, Lashon, the tongues were split and divided. Language was split. Lashon HaKodesh, the oneness of spoken divineness, was dismantled. As the Tower of Babel was dismantled, and in response, Baal captures the soul. Now, we must create a similar structure, but this time it's very significant because we're now in the belly of a pagan god. And you could see on other writings of the Gra directly, especially his commentary on Yonah, the book of Jonah, that when we do this, it may take multiple lifetimes. This crossing tonight may not have happened in one generation. It may have happened in multiple generations, depending on what tribe you were in, what channel you crossed, how you crossed. So, for it is left to the wise soul to climb from the mouth of Baal and seek reunification with its creator. Too many 
riches and pleasures anchor divine sparks deep within Baal's belly to allow escape. And as with all Hevel, meaning vanity, the transparency of the sins attract many to follow in this path. So there's a secret there. The secret is Yosef Azadik. The deepness of Yosef, the two sons of Yaakov, which we are trying to reunify tonight, Benjamin, Yaakov, and Yosef, Yosef Hazadik was sort of the soul. Because he takes the knowledge of Judaism and brings it into Egypt. And he doesn't act like God, nor does he become a God. But he has great power. And what he does in Egypt, where he is in Egypt, and how he gets out of Egypt, is questioned if he ever did leave Egypt. Meaning... Was Agnaten Yosef Hazadik with the notion of Atan, one sun god? Did Yosef Hazadik have influence over Agnaten? We don't know these things. But the Gra had some insight to this. The Gra continues by saying the Yatsahara continues to grow in the stomach of Baal, and wickedness condemned above is celebrated as success in the worlds below. Wickedness condemned above is celebrated as success in the worlds below. As sacrifices brought to elevate souls are now meant to anchor them to darkness in unspeakable depths. These souls cry out and their pain becomes so pleasing by the time Baal has digested them that more are attracted to the mouth of Baal to assume their place for their spiritual essence is brought so low that they have never existed. Now, <clears throat> let's continue this. Um, their spiritual essence is brought so low that they have never existed. A puzzlement persists. If the soul comes from Hashem and loses its holiness, its Kedusha, how can a false god consume it? Question mark. How could a false god consume it? When we read in Torah, cut off from the, its people, i.e. when someone breaks Shabbat, when someone breaks a mitzvah, the soul is cut off from its people, but it really means is that Moses interpreted this event as being cut off from its people, not to frighten people, that if they were to break the mitzvot, by breaking mitzvahs, not following the edicts of Hashem, God that you will be consumed by false gods. Of course, Moshe Rabbeinu was not stupid. He's got to be a leader, and he needs to sweeten this message. I don't know how many lifetimes it took to get to this notion of being cut off from being cut off from the people, being B'nai Israel, but it's interesting. Even the great Moshe Rabbeinu knew how to sweeten what Hashem showed him to prevent another eagle, a golden calf. Because the eagle, the, um, the golden calf that was made when Moshe was on the mountain is very significant to this notion because had they known the punishment for creating a false god, it's not that the, the golden calf emerged from the fire, the ash. It was that the ash was consuming the souls of the people who created it. Um, and only the Gra would be able to say that. And he also says, he compares 
the, the golden calf incident to what Korak did. Korak was the um, leader who rose up against Moshe and said, why, what makes you so special? And why can't we all lead and why can't we all judge? And Moshe prostrated himself and what happened. Korak and his crew show us that how the living are consumed when their ego, Avoda, is focused against Hashem and swallowed up their own hoardiness. So Korak is an example of being going to the grave because the earth opened up and consumed them alive. It was a living grave that consumed Korak. That living grave is this notion of Baal, the fact that Ha'aretz, the earth itself, is consuming souls that are rebelling against God and those God send in his name. Okay? That you go to the grave alive. Meaning, to point this into a deeper meaning and illuminate this, you are going down to a depth so deep that you are still alive but your soul is erased and consumed by a false god, which did only happened in Egypt, but was reminded of the event, once again, numerous reminders along the way, many miracles along the way, as we traveled through the Red Sea, people saw this, they saw a miracle, they didn't even believe. They saw the miracle. They didn't even believe the miracle. And as they traveled through the desert, they kept rebelling. They kept rebelling. Stiff-necked people. And to this day, we sit at this Seder. We all complain for seven days. Oh my, I can't eat chametz. As if chametz is like the end-all be-all. And it's not. Matzah is a fine food. To take the blood of afflic- the bread of affliction and turn it into... A celebration of life, of Chaim, and most importantly, of Avodah to Hashem. That's what's important. But this reminds us that we haven't been consumed, that we haven't risen, that we don't allow the vanity of life to take us away from the holiness that gives us the animation to live, that gives the soul the power to come to the service of the flesh. And the lavush, that means the garment, the flesh on our bodies, the limbs and sinews on our bones, not important. What's important is the Kudushah, the holiness within, and how we use that holiness to celebrate God and the miracles he's done for us, not only freeing us from creation, but giving us the discernment, the knowledge to seek him and to seek reunification with his oneness and pray for all creation. Kal Israel, not only all Israelites, not only all the children of Israel, but all of creation to recognize that there's only one creator. Yet in such matters, and I'll go back to the Graz direct teaching and I'll read it out directly. Yet in such matters, Hashem must keep dot, dot, meaning the sefirot of knowledge, moving between all the worlds like Mayim water for all creation so that he and he alone, that means God and God alone, can control its flow. So in some ways, there is Mayim flowing with us, um, around us, even though we can't see it, we look at it as air, and we know that in Israel, with modern technology, they are capturing water from air, even though we can't see it with our bare eyes, there is technology, that there's a certain amount of moisture in air. So for three above and seven below, now must become twelve. Okay, three above, Ketuhokma Bina, seven below. 
now must become 12. What are the 12? The 10 Sifarot. If you don't know what Sifarot, Sifarot are, you should look them up. One dot, dot Sifarot is not really written. It moves between the worlds above and below. And from whence does the other one come? Question mark. And the mystery of the 12 loaves, that is the 12 tribes and the 12 permutations of Hashem's name, the 12 loaves of bread that sat, the showbread, the 12 loaves of bread that sat on the table uh, on the table in the Bet HaMikdash. Um, why are the 12 loaves there? What are the 12 Sephirot? Not only the 12 tribes and 12 permutations of Hashem's name, but there's an invisible miscount. And that invisible miscount is what Baal consumes. As Baal consumes the divine sparks of souls captured, Baal now stands against and with Hashem in the same manner Paro and Mitzrayim captured the children of Israel. Okay. We'll take questions at the end of this. Each Jew is enslaved in Egypt, was swallowed until the Lord the hand of God himself, Yad, hand of God, Hashem's Yad, the hand of God himself, fought the evil, perverse, divine manifestations, corrupting the hearts, minds, and tongues of the Israelites, especially the Erev Rav. The Erev Rav, um, those who pretended to be Jews, we'll call them faux Jews, for lack of a better term, that left with the Israelites, some Midrash sources will say those were conversions started by Yosef Hazadik, which goes back to our teaching that Yosef Hazadik was not really, as Hazadik uh, was, was questionable, his role in all this manifestation is, is questioned. What world was he working in? What level of holiness did he capture? What was his Kutushah? But the point is, he was starting to circumcise Egyptians and beginning to convert them. But they were not converted enough, and as a result, they left with the Israelites and caused problems. Uh, I don't know how to process that, but we'll leave it to the Grotta continue this. So Moses and his family liberated them. So we know if it is possible to escape from Baal and empower holiness, has the ultimate fact that even Moshe's family was very close to Baal because who was closest to Baal was Moshe himself. He was a prince raised at the palace of Paro and was taught Egyptian magic. And we know Egyptian magic schools lasted till the 6th century until some Goyish institutions shut them down. But Egyptian magic schools were very important to the Kohenim because they were trained in magic to know how to decide cases when they were brought up in the Bethlehem so we know that the um, Moses escaped this, hence why he was chosen to lead Israelites. And it makes a very interesting story, which is, you know, Zipporah, we know Yitro, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law was very important in the Torah for setting up <coughs> the judge system that we have, how to apply the law to many people. But the point is that if Moshe could raise himself up and escape from this hevel, this, the stomach of Baal, anyone can do it, which is what the scene in the Torah with Korach really goes back to. 
that Moshe, what does he do when he's attacked and questioned about his authority over Ben Israel? He doesn't rebel, he doesn't scream, he doesn't act like the leaders we have today. He prostates himself and says, Hashem will see to it. Someone else uttered that when Avraham and Itzhak went to do the Akeda. You got Moshe prostrating and Korak descending alive. So Moshe remembered where he came from and knew where Korak was going because Korak was being consumed by Baal. So we all search for a leader to liberate us from our exiled state of being divorced from the divine and being seduced by ephemeral weaknesses, pleasing the flesh while ignoring the soul's divine needs creates the possibility for Baal to flourish, but requires us to search harder for Hashem and to free ourselves from Hevel, from vanity, that anchor our souls to creation's darkest depths and deceptions. Finally, Hashem does not require every soul to ask to be liberated. These are the, based on the four questions of the children. That's correct. That is very much correct. And I hope nobody has a phone that's about to go off. Because I see people fidgeting. We're not used to these long, long nights. Um... I see a lot of questions on that side of the table. Just told them, and you can't write on a yantav. So, you don't need to ask to be liberated. Eventually, and when necessary, Hashem will bring about that liberation. Okay, Hashem will, on Hashem's time. Which goes back to what the Grah teaches in his commentary on Jonah, the book of Jonah, we don't know if Jonah liberated Nineveh, fulfilled his mission in Nineveh in one lifetime, three lifetimes, two lifetimes, when he went into the whale. But we do know that there were there was some sort of reincarnative state that went on there, according to So we see that in Jonah. In Jonah, whether what appears has one lifetime or two or three or four, eventually Hashem will cause the soul with a high purpose to be brought up and out and fulfill its divine potential. And that's what we're trying to do tonight in this liberation, to fulfill our divine potential. How do you fulfill the divine potential? By seeking oneness with God, by escaping false gods, by escaping the needs to pleasure the flesh, but to celebrate the divine that's contained within the soul. So whether we come together or not this Pesach, we must remember that whenever, wherever our physical body resides and whatever it consumes, matzah, maron, charoset, we must elevate our eyes to the all-seeing eye of God, the all-seeing eye of God, which is where the scribes and Hashemayim sit, 
and ensure our souls are properly nourished with Torah, Tefillah, and Tehillim. To guard against our separation from the divine and enslave all aspects and ensure that all aspects of ourselves are aligned to the 12 permutations contained within the 12 loaves of bread removed from the Mishkan during Pesach. Amen. So that means, summering, that one errant sufferot. Was it one or was it 12? Was Yosef the problem or the 11 brothers who threw him down the pit? The problem. That sent him to Mitzrayim. That eventually caused B'nai Israel to go to Mitzrayim. Remember, did Hashem need to liberate B'nai Israel from Hashem, from Mitzrayim, from Pharaoh? Did Hashem need to liberate B'nai Israel from Mitzrayim? The first time they went down, they went down because they were hungry. They felt that they were not going to survive. And Yosef, if you recall, why he's questioned by the Grah in terms of his Kedusha and holiness, besides his allegiance to Benjamin, um, giving five times the amount to Benjamin than every other brother and causing them to worry that Benjamin and Yaakov would be separated. Was was it revenge or was it what Egypt did to him, being in the in the belly of Baal, having a cup, a, a divination cup that has somehow come, somehow come, become replaced with the Orem and Termin. What caused Joseph to be connected to Egypt to the point that when Paro allowed them to go bury Yaakov in the Machpelah, go back to Israel, what did the 12 tribes do? They bury Yaakov. They don't stay in Israel, do they? They go back to Mitzrayim. And Yosef asked to be taken up and out with them. Was Yosef really taken up and out with them? Was that one lifetime? Was that multiple lifetimes? Was this world or other worlds? I don't know. But on this night, we contemplate such mysteries, especially this night, as we consider crossing the Yomsov in our tribe, which is affiliated with the Hebrew names, the storage of our souls and our Shema, and we seek reunification, Yehudim, Yehudis, with Hashem. Is the phone on the table? What is the phone doing on the table? Take the phone off the table. Take the phone off the table and make sure for the remainder of the meal that all electronic devices, yes, take it off the table, take it off the table.